Hello everyone, welcome back to Two Bye Guys and to the Bisexual Married Men mini-series in advance of the book coming out. As you guys know, Bi Married Men, Stories of Relationships, Acceptance and Authenticity is out November 30th. And in anticipation, or perhaps after release, I'm not sure when this will air, I'm interviewing many of the men who are in the book and providing some more context and and feedback and learning what they've been up to since. My guest today has one of the fascinating stories in the book, one of the most unique stories in the book, actually, but I know it's going to resonate with so many people. Welcome to Two Bye Guys, Cassidy Haley, aka Bennett. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're Bennett in the book, uh, but you're Cassidy in real life. I tr- I tried to find, I found the names by looking up the year you were born and where your name falls in the popularity chart. There's a social security website where you can look that up. And then I chose another name that was near yours in popularity for the year you were born. So I don't know. How much do you identify with the name Bennett? Uh, Probably zero. (laughs) (laughs) I had, I I mean, I'm trying to think if I've even known anybody named Bennett. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, well, well, we'll call you Cassidy again today, and we'll be the most authentic version of you. But so people can connect it to yes. the book. This is Bennett in the book, Cassidy in real life. And it's been so long since I actually saw your face because our initial interview was in 2020. Uh, yeah. And we've we've been in touch since, but we haven't actually spoken uh, on a video chat. So it's nice to see you. I'm excited to hear what you've been up to. Yeah, no, it's nice to see you too. I want to ask you this before we get into your story. If you can remember back to 2020, why Barely. did you just, dis- <laughs> a lot of 2020 I've shut out of my mind and yeah. try not to think about, <laughs> but this was one of the nice parts of that year. Um, why did you decide to participate in this project? Well, I think it's, um, you know, as a bisexual person, it's um, something that is really important to me for kind of, you know, our stories to be told. I didn't have any reference points really growing up um, for bisexual kind of lifestyles. And um, I think, you know, hearing that there are bisexuals that exist you know, bi erasure is real. And even as a bisexual person myself, I have to remind myself that, that I exist. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, I just would love, I want to do my part to share those, share my story and make sure our stories are heard. And I really appreciate what you guys do and wanted to support the cause. Cool. Awesome. I love that. Okay. So bef- I want to, we'll debrief sort of what's happened since then and and other things about the project, but for for those who haven't read it yet, which is probably most people, there's there's details in the book, but can you give us like the brief overview of your trajectory toward, you know, discovering your bisexuality and and your, your yeah. journey? Um I come from California, the Bay Area, um, raised by a lesbian mother. Um sexuality was really in terms of acceptance in my family was obviously not an issue from the beginning. Um, So, you know, a lot of the struggles I faced were more 
about society and internally and just trying to figure myself out. Um, and I had, have been dating men and women pretty much consistently, um, more men I'd say, but, um, leading up to getting married to my ex-wife. Um, so I was married to a woman. We were together for five, five or six years. And, um, in that time I, we had some ideas of openness, but I, we, I never, it wasn't with a man during that time. We were, we were pretty monogamous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's the gist of kind of the marriage aspect and leading up to it. Cool. And let, before, before we dig into the marriage too, I, many of the men I interviewed and, and just so many bi men are straight identified for many years. We often come out later mm-hmm. in life. Your story is different in that you had an awareness of your queer identity. And I think that was the word you told me you chose yeah. pretty early was queer. Yeah. Um, so not gay, but you kind of knew you were queer. Right. Yeah, it was kind of reverse. I kind of had to come out um, to be with a woman. And I felt a, a lot of like, like kind of straight guilt or, or just like, I felt really weird to be walking down the street. And so kind of, you know, in, in a, like with her, it just, it all was very strange. So I was so used to kind of being like defiantly queer, defiantly bisexual mm-hmm. or whatever. And mm-hmm. in a lot of gay settings and queer culture. Yeah. When did the, the actual label bisexual begin to feel right for you? Well, I think it felt right from the beginning. Um, but I, I like, I wouldn't correct people when they called me gay. I wasn't, I, I, don't, I wasn't really a big proponent of it. I think until um, probably my late twenties, which uh, is a little bit before I met my wife. Um, so yeah, it was pretty late that I started to be like, no, I'm bisexual. You know, I think there was a lot of stuff around pe- like bisexuality being a transition to being gay. So I didn't want to be like, no, I'm bisexual, you know, like correcting people just seemed, I don't know, counterproductive or something. But eventually I realized that actually it's really important to speak it because, you know, it's not something you can see on the skin. It's not something that's obvious. And whoever, depending on who you're dating, you will appear one way or the other. So it's kind of really hard to pinpoint. So it's actually, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be upfront about it and talk about it and correct people about it. And so now I, now I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What has that been like for you since I know you've been in, in relationships with multiple genders, like the perception of your sexuality from the outside, like what's that been like and how have you dealt with that? Well, I mean, it kind of sucks to be honest. I really, I kind of wish that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really wish that I was one or the other, but it sure would be easier um, it's definitely made it hard to date women. Um, I started to, to see a woman and she broke it off because of the bisexuality and she just couldn't really wrap her head around that. Um, some guys have had problems with it too. Uh, in fact, yeah, the last guy I dated had a hard time with it as well. So mm-hmm. it's definitely been an issue. Yeah. Um, it's been an issue with the people I've dated. And then it's also been an issue internally because... Um, I'm pretty open to who I would want to date, but I kind of feel like I have to focus on one or the other, you know, like, I don't know. And that's just, it's just in my mind. It's not real, but it, it just feels that way, 
you know, like I'm going to date women now. Let me go find a woman. I'm going to date men now. Let me find a man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to it just being more organic and natural and just meeting whoever shows up. I've heard that kind of referred to as the bi cycle of kind of mm. going back and forth. Uh, maybe, maybe we can unpack it. I don't know, but I'm curious. Do you, why do you think it is that you feel like you have to focus on one or the other as opposed to just letting it happen? Well, I think part of it is that I react, I kind of behave very differently in both settings mm. and, um, it's probably something I could work on. I don't know if it's the healthiest, but it's just the reality. Um, I, feel, you know, I, I may, maybe I'm responding to what I think society thinks or what what I think women want versus what men want. Um, but I, I definitely have different behaviors um, depending on who I'm dating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember that was a big part of your story in the book. I uh, I Mm. encourage everyone to check it out and read through it. So let's talk about your marriage for a little bit. Like when you got into that relationship, uh, how was it different from your relationships before then? Like what changed in your life when you got into that relationship? Um, Well, I was ready to settle down. That's for sure. Um, I had kind of had... um, some, I don't know, like a little more wild times, I would say. Um, and I had, I had just gotten really fed up with kind of hookup culture, um, gay hookup culture, particularly. And I had taken a few months off from being with men at all. Um, and I was just really ready for something different. Um, but the way that we got together was extremely organic. It was we were friends for quite a while first and um, just kind of happened to be on the same trip together. We actually were supposed to ride mutually with a friend to a festival and um, the friend ended up canceling at the last minute. So it was just the two of us and we had really only met a few times. Um, and then we got to the festival and she had forgotten a tent and so she ended up sleeping in my tent and then one thing led to another and that was that forgot the tent is that a good excuse or it could be it worked it worked that's for sure cool and then and how did that relationship progress uh, and how was it like how did it intersect with your bi identity or your perception of your sexuality well um we started dating what I thought was casually. Um, and I think she presented more casually than she was actually taking it. Um, and then I actually met a guy and um, was in a relationship with a guy for a year. Kind of, she, you know, we, we had not, not lost touch, but we just weren't, it didn't like ramp up really quickly. It was more like casual sex friends in my mind. Um, Later, I would find out that actually it was quite traumatizing to her and she felt rejected. And that actually came up quite a bit over the years um, that we were together because the idea, because I had basically left her for a man, Um, which in my mind was not the case. um, But I, you know, probably wasn't the most observant or aware of, you know, her real feelings. So was she supportive of your 
bisexual identity or did that cause any conflict? No, she was supportive. Um, I mean, you know, she's bisexual as well. So that I think that was partly what drew her to me. Um, but she had a lot of conditions. Like we, we talked about um, being open in some ways, like her having a female lover and me having a male lover. But um, like she wanted to be fr- me to be friends with a guy for a year before I had sex with him, uh, <laughs> which, you know, if it's just a little unrealistic in gay culture. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of kind of in practice, like in theory, she was OK, but in practice, it just kind of there was always a reason why it didn't work out one way or another. Um, but uh you know, I mean, I was also that those five years without being with a man were actually really important to my kind of healing um, and growth around mm-hmm. some of the unhealthy sexual interactions I'd had with men previously. Mm-hmm. So it was actually fine, even though it was something I kind of yearned for. Um, I think it was actually really, really good that I had a, a long period of time without being kind of without reengaging in male sexuality. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you more about that. Um, But before we get there, uh, since I know that your your marriage ended, why did it end? What happened? Oh, um, there's a lot in the book that I that that uh, explains it. So Um, I don't know how how you want to summarize it. Yeah, well, I should tell you, she actually died since the interview. Oh, I'm so sorry um, to hear that. Oh yeah, it was pretty rough. Uh, really, just a, f- a few months ago, actually. Oh my god. Um, and you know we hadn't talked in years, so you know it affected me. But it, it, you know, she it wasn't. It's not somebody who's in my life now, so it's you know it's like it's not in front of me. But obviously, it was very. I mean, she was up to this point like the love of my life, so mm-hmm. it was really hard. Um, but so you know i don't know my perception maybe of how it all went down might be slightly altered by that reality you know Mm -hmm. in terms of how i think about it and talk about it and that sort of thing um but we perfect sense yeah. yeah we you know we were both really traumatized and we loved each other and we had like amazing sex oh my god like every single day i'm i miss that so much but um emotionally we both were pretty um inept at having healthy relationships and you know i look back and i think that if i was who i was who if i was who i am now then i could have probably really been much more present and able to kind of deal with what she was going through Um, which, you know, I, no one should have to be responsible for somebody else's kind of mental health. Um, but at the same time, we, you know, people can support each other if they have a foundation to work from. And I really didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. so I couldn't be what she needed and she couldn't be what I needed. And, um, yeah, it kind of went down in a, a flaming pit of uh <laughs> of mm-hmm. bisexuality really because she brought in a man to the to the relationship that she thought would be kind of for both of us but then ended up just being for her and 
I mm. felt extremely rejected and um, it ended up kind of pushing me away. Mm. If you're comfortable answering, how has her passing away affected how you think of the relationship and or her in general? Well, um, I think it's allowed me to think um, a lot more. Well, I think it, it showed me how much I really care about her because, um, you know, the breakup was pretty painful. And so I kind of had to numb myself to my feelings for her quite a bit. Mm. Um, and especially because I couldn't have contact um, for my own kind of health and safety. Um, I didn't really allow myself to think about the good parts of our relationship as much. And so, you know, once she passed it, I was able to think about that more. So mm. it actually made, you know, the grieving more more extreme because you know we really were um in so many ways like so complimentary and just our visions for the world and she always she tried really hard to to do like to make things better and she just had a really hard time making things better because of her own history and trauma and mm. whatnot yeah mentioned that um, you have changed a lot since then. If you are the person you are now, it might oh, have yeah. been different. How, how have you changed since then? Um, well, I've, I've addressed like so much of the kind of um, limiting beliefs that arose from early childhood trauma um, uh, in a lot of different ways. Therapy, um, various, uh, spiritual practices, um, some, um, medicines, uh, plant medicines. And yeah, I, I feel like an adult now, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm 43 and I was 30 when I met her, but I didn't feel like an adult at 30 at all. You know, I felt like a child, a scared child. Um, and now I, I feel much more solid in myself and much more aware of my boundaries, what I'm willing to kind of put up with and stand for. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. honestly, the biggest thing is that like I found a, and this is, I mean, this sounds so cheesy, but like I found a self love that was never there. I had really, because of the, you know, childhood sexual trauma, I felt very, you know, I felt like, um, just unworthy, unlovable. Um, I kind of hated myself and doing the work that I did really uncovered that. And I was able to like do a lot of kind of like, you know, inner child stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, and the, I actually, I did a, um, something called Ibogaine, which is a pretty intense psychedelic treatment. Um, it exists culturally, maybe similarly to ayahuasca, but in practice, it's very, very different. It's like a, they use it to treat heroin addicts, um, but it's also really good for trauma. And um, it's, a, it's a pretty extreme experience where you're isolated in a, in a room alone and you, you sensory deprive, you know, you co cover your eyes and, and <clears throat> cover your ears and you're just alone there for like 24 hours with one practitioner who comes in and like checks on you and guides you through it. But um it 
that was the thing that really, I think, had the most impact on the trauma that I went through and showed me kind of like the lineage of 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 abusers and victims getting things getting you know karma the the kind of karmic wheel of these things you know hurt people hurting people Uh and just kind of showed me it just gave me this like sense of peace around the things that I was taught and wasn't taught about how to protect myself Hmm. and um also yeah just a sense of like loving who I am and who I was and kind of understanding how it all happened and yeah, it was huge. It was huge. Absolutely life-changing. Wow. wow. Fascinating. And that's so awesome that you went through that and have done all this work. You're not the only person in the book who has benefited from a plant medicine, ah. spirituality <laughs> experience. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for some reason, uh, you know, many queer people need to like access and unlock some stuff that's buried and Absolutely. maybe that well, can help. Yeah. I mean, I think I mean, most people experience trauma because of, you know, society. Um, and we just, we, we don't live in a, in a society that's conducive to people really being healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, LGBT people, I think, have um, a unique kind of version of that that can be pretty extreme because of the lack of acceptance um, the lack of any kind of blueprint about how to exist in the world mm-hmm. um, and just kind of, you know, having to like resist the perception of like moral, uh, you know, fortitude or something like moral, right. like resist the kind of like murky perceptions of like what is right and what is wrong and right that we're right. given. And to sort of break down the structures of a heteronormative world and then sort of well, yeah. create mm-hmm. your own path. You need a sort of almost psychedelic vision yeah. sometimes to to get there because the, thing, the things we're taught are very deeply ingrained in this yeah. society. Yeah. And it, it's so, yeah, it's so deep inside us that it's like, it's not enough to be aware of it because it's still right. there. We still in subtle ways, you know, I still in subtle ways, like, try to be what I think society wants a man to be. Right. Um, Me too. Yeah. Right. The, even even once I knew a lot of things intellectually, it, it took a while to feel that in my body. And there's still things I I still struggle with that I know, but I don't I don't quite know in my body yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting you mentioned li- limiting beliefs because I'm actually in the middle of a coach life coach certification program to become a life coach and we talk a lot about limiting beliefs Um, i'm just curious like aside from the plant medicine what other work did you actually do that you're talking about you mentioned therapy but Uh, yeah well i mean i did um emdr therapy which was really what kind of uncovered the traumatic experiences i had known certain things had happened but with EMDR, you know, you really go back and I was able to have like memories hmm. of things that happened, <clears throat> which, um, you know, was really great to just uncover it. You know, I mean, it wasn't great, but it's in the end <laughs> necessary um, to see that and to know that it's real and to know that it's not just a fantasy or something or that you just made it up that these things yeah. actually happen. So that was extremely helpful. 
Cool. Cool. That's awesome. So we, we last spoke about, you know, your life story in 2020, you mentioned a couple of things that have changed since then, but what else has changed in your life since then? And I guess more specifically in with your sexuality, identity or dating or things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, I went through a long period of celibacy. Um, I think I, you were in that period when yeah, we probably. spoke. Yeah. And so, you know, I just like did like a really major kind of reset of around sexuality that I'm still trying to figure out and still understand, but I feel like I have, um, a much better kind of grasp of it. I'm, I feel like I'm ready. I'm ready to like be in a relationship again. I'm ready to, um, yeah, I'm ready to be in love. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was, and I wasn't during most like almost that entire time, uh-huh. um, since kind of realizing that, that I had all this work to do. Was the period of celibacy helpful? Like what, what did it teach you? It gave me, well, the, the thing is that um, because the early sexual trauma was with men, pretty much all kind of like most of the engagement, like the mo- most of the kind of sexual experiences I had, had some level of like kind of re-traumatization. Um, it was just really hard to separate out some of the kind of PTSD Um because what, I mean, what happens when you experience sexual trauma is you kind of collapse, at least what happened to me is you collapse fear and arousal. They kind of like intertwine and it's hard to tell the difference. And so you're afraid, but you think you're aroused or you're aroused and you get afraid. And so like the long period with my wife was really helpful for this. And then the period of celibacy that I did after that was also extremely helpful just to decouple those things um just to not to just to stop re-traumatizing myself with experiences um because i just did i couldn't understand what i was what i was really um attracted to you know people that were not safe i felt attracted to because the that fear and arousal were so inter intermingled you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so yeah it was just a really really helpful to have a, a just a reset of that cool what do you hope that people who read your story in the book will take from it or get out of it gosh i don't know um i hope they get out of it i guess just you know people that are going through maybe what i've gone through a sense of um you know camaraderie or just that you know other people have gone through this um i think that like it's possible to be bisexual in this world and to be open about it and to have relationships and i mean you know like i'm kind of i'm I'm self-censoring in this moment because i've been talking about like trauma and not being able to date and all these things where it's kind of like the opposite of what i would hope people are left with but um you know at the same time i feel like i have been able to overcome a lot of the things that um, some people would have a hard time overcoming or, um, you know, I've started from a place, I mean, just, you know, coming from a family that was accepting is, is a huge, you know, kind of like 
I think can be an example of what happens when you are accepting mm -hmm. of children, um, where you can kind of let them be themselves and decide for themselves who they are. Um, and I think a lot of men don't get that. And it really kind of hinders their ability to be themselves and be bisexual. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'd like to come back when I have when I'm like in a happy relationship and be like this. Yes, this is it works. You know, you mm -hmm. can't be bisexual. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, let's hope for that. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, I think that, um, you know, I've just I've come really far with what I've been given. And um, I yeah, just I I hope people can find some inspiration in their own lives to do the work that they need to do and be who they are, even though it might be hard and society might kind of, you know, try to keep them down or even though it's there's things in the world that seem unfair or like they're hindering you. Right. I, I actually think your answer isn't uh, a contradiction. It makes perfect sense mm -hmm. to me. And es even especially your vulnerability and openness about the traumas in your life and how you did work to address those things is actually so warm. I don't know. I get this warm feeling of like, you know, yes, I hope you f find a wonderful relationship <laughs> and, and you're happy in one at some point, but that we often look at things like that as the goal and we look right. at relationships ending as a failure, right. but actually to me, the goal is what you just ended with is mm -hmm. becoming more yourself and tapping into that and, you know, being authentic and living authentically. And like, it's so clear that even all of the experiences in your life that were not so positive at the time have led you to this place where you're, where you're mm. ready for whatever's next. Well, That's my observation. That. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think, um, you know, being where I am now is actually a, is a, is a huge accomplishment. And I think that, you know, not, not giving up, even though it seems daunting because even though I did have a loving family, like I childhood sexual trauma, like this cards are stacked against you. And then being bisexual on top of that, um, yeah there was just, there was a lot to overcome and, you know, process and um, in order to find like a healthy place with my sexuality, which I have, which I have. Yeah. Right. Right. I think there's another common misconception out there that people with more trauma are more broken or damaged or things like this. But I think that's possible, but it's also possible that those these people become the strongest because you're you confront so much and learn to overcome all these things so i think that's yeah. beautiful what did you learn if anything about yourself by participating in this project i think it was just um yeah it was just it gave me a really good perspective on my life and what I've gone through and what I've experienced. And, um, I hadn't quite, I mean, I journal a lot, but, and I, I've obviously told, talked about my story to friends and whatnot, but I haven't quite like put it into such a concise narrative and, you know, had somebody kind of draw out 
you know, specifics and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. When you reread it recently, did you notice anything surprising or have any surprising reactions? Um, I mean, I think it was a little uncomfortable <laughs> to like, just, you know, have like, I, I have nothing to hide and I'm very, you know, happy to be involved, but just to see it on paper was a little like, oh, that, that's there. There it is. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so what went through your mind? Like, how did you uh, push through that discomfort? Like, oh, well, it didn't it wasn't like severe. I mean, it didn't like I didn't have any thoughts about it. It was just kind of like, oh, that's interesting that I feel uh-huh. that way. But it's not like I would want to stop it or anything like I'm very I'm happy to be involved. And I like, you know, I, I really appreciate what, what you guys are doing. And so, yeah, it wasn't there wasn't really. But it, it just was like a kind of like an in, a gut reaction of like, oh, it's, yeah. you know, the vulnerability right. of sharing yourself. <laughs> I totally understand yeah. that. I I mean, I I wrote about myself in the book, but I got at least I got to like think about each sentence and edit it. It wasn't verbal. But then I was recently interviewed in like a as told to article. So mm-hmm. it's not even printed as an interview. It's printed as just all my words. And I read it kind of like, did I say all those things? It, I I yeah. identify with that feeling you had, but I was ha- also happy it was there, but sometimes you see what something you said printed it and it's like, or printed. Yeah, totally. yeah. And you're like, Oh, that, that sounds different than it did in my head or something. Mm-hmm. I remember one thing we talked about in the in the initial interview was you had an interesting perspective on like, I think this was you, tell me if it wasn't, but how like who we're attracted to ends up also sort of determining your cultural identity. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk about that or have your thoughts on that evolved since then? Um, I think they have a, a, a little bit, but I'm not sure if that's just kind of getting older you know like i think identifying with culture is um something that's really important when you're young you know people really kind of like hold to their like tribe or whatever they're the people that they surround themselves really help them identify who they are and then i think as you get older you just kind of it's not as important or you you aren't as much of a part of these things of cultural movements or whatever so it's it's i think now even the even just three years later it's it's less of uh kind of something that like i think about um but i I mean i have realized that being bisexual has kind of kept me a bit on the outside of straight and gay culture um i mean i you know i I specifically remember like having been with my wife for five years and coming out of it and re-entering kind of the gay world and like meeting gay people and just like not understanding their references you know jokes that they would make cultural references little things like that and so i I still feel kind of behind in that arena you know like i don't really Mm -hmm. feel like i fit into gay culture um but i certainly don't fit into straight culture either so Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I'm an artist and I do fit into artist culture. So I've kind of really found a home there with fellow performers and, um, people. I have, I have a, a, a really kind of robust artistic community that is, um, pretty uh, like across the spectrum 
sexually. So cool. That's great. So I know that you never applied a gay label to yourself, but you did spend a lot of time in the gay community, uh, especially earlier in your life. I'm noticing a lot more gay men, in addition to straight men, also like questioning the binariness of their sexuality and sort of, you know, they, they're attached to the gay label for cultural reasons, but then, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe thinking, is there more to it? Since you sort of identify with some of that experience, do you have advice for that group of men? Um, Yeah. Well, it's interesting how, I mean, is would you call that like heterophobia or something like biphobia? <laughs> um, how it, it is actually a thing, you know. Um, I, I mean, I, I know that like like even in like the public eye, there's some gay, you know, I I, I there's a, some gay artists that, um, like I have had ex- bisexual experiences that don't want to talk about it because. You know, they're consider themselves a gay artist. Um, and when when people do like Little Nas X just kind of came out talking about how he uh, might be interested in, um, you know, dabbling in the other direction. He I think he used a much more kind of profane <laughs> way to talk about it. But um, <laughs> and I think there was there was even some pushback there, you know, and um, so it's definitely a thing, but I, I think, and I think also the same reasons why I was like, didn't want to correct people early on is probably something that holds people back because there is this whole like bisexuality is the way to be, is like the intro to being gay and people are like, Oh yeah, sure. You're bisexual. You know, that kind Mm -hmm. of vitriol of like, you're not really bisexual, you're gay, but bisexual is easier for people to understand. And so you say you're bisexual and so that kind of creates the stigma where like where I certainly felt like I didn't want to kind of go like be the person that's like, no, I'm bisexual. But um, I mean, just like I experienced for myself, I think it is actually really important to um, talk about it if it's there. And, you know, and I, I do know quite a few few men who consider themselves gay who t- who would love to have experiences with women and talk about it and wish they could and just don't have an outlet or an avenue. Um, and that I do not have advice on because I am not I have just as many issues. I I would love to meet more women, um, but um, yeah, I think it's just like being really open about it is is something that will be really helpful for for everybody you know and as as things progress yeah i agree uh right whatever your label the more we're talking about this kind of fluidity and normalizing it then the less scared people will be of of exploring it wherever they land um and to all the i agree with you about it women uh not always being interested but to all the women out there uh Bi and gay men make the best lovers, which is a lot of uh, experience. <laughs> um, has your bisexuality affected your conception of gender, either your own or your gender expression or just gender in general? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think in a lot of ways I fetishize gender. So like, 
I fetishize like masculine men and feminine women. Hmm. And I think that partly has something to do with the bisexuality. Like, um, uh, I mean, I, I, I do, I'm definitely attracted to, you know, more feminine men as well. But um, like, in general, when I think of what I'm attracted to, it's like pretty, it's kind of like this, like, I mean, I, I grew up reading comic books. So, you know, I have like a kind of like superhero thing. So, you know, it's like um, very like masculine, heroic men and very feminine uh, women. Um, so, you know, maybe the bisexuality has something to do with that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think that like I, th- I think just as much as it's um, great for people to explore gender on all sides, it's also really great to to it like it's um, it's great to affirm like kind of traditional <laughs> gender as well. You know, I think that that's mm-hmm. I think we, that I th- we've kind of lost that a little bit where it's like we celebrate um, people that kind of go against the binary. Um, but I mean, we're all like, uh, worthy of, of we all, we're all into different things and we're all worthy of being celebrated. And so kind of like, I've just, I've kind of really, uh, leaned into it a bit and just been unapologetic. Like this is, this is what it is for me. And this is what I, you know, find interesting. And yeah. I think there's a place for all of it. Love that. I totally agree. Um, something you mentioned, I think it's at the end of your chapter, you talked about the importance of healing men, um, like, and specifically like sort of reconciling, you know, masculinity, like, and you kind of, it seemed like had a perception that it's a bigger deal than just healing those individual men. Uh, is, is, am I reading that correctly or like, yeah, why absolutely. is it important to heal men in general? Oh, well, I mean, I think just like we're going through a phase where men are just getting like, they're just so they're just kind of getting destroyed. You know, it's like they're lost and nobody has a blueprint for healthy masculinity. Nobody, you know, it's like, their masculine traits are being in a lot of ways attacked, you know, I think by, um, and and like health, there's, there's really no concept of healthy masculinity. Um, and there's just, it's really like men just, they don't, they're, they don't know how to express themselves. They don't know how to be themselves. They don't know how to embrace the different parts of themselves, whatever that is. And, um, anytime you are, like separating things out so drastically, like um, men are like this, men are like that, men are like this. It um, can get like sticky, you know, or something like, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I really think we have like very kind of biological differences, but in the end we're all like the same spirits. Um, and we're all capable of greatness and horribleness. <clears throat> but men have been given kind of the horrible uh, kind of perception mm-hmm. m- much more um, than women. And the truth is 
both men and women can be horrible and both men and women can be great. But men's greatness is not being celebrated and their horribleness is really being kind of and in a lot of ways, I mean, I can I can understand how they're, you know, a lot of men have done a really a lot of awful things. Um, and I think, you know, the 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 negative things that men are capable of are are tend to be more like physical, you know, they're, there's, they're more in your face. Um, but my gosh, I mean, women are just as capable of be, doing horrible things. It's just usually more manipulative, like under the surface and manipulative. And I think that we've got to a place where men are just getting such a bad rap mm-hmm. and they could really just use some love and some acceptance and some guidance yeah. and, you know, like some purpose and um that i you know like they like I, they say that like a woman's biggest fear is her is her personal safety and a man's biggest fear is being ostracized from society and um i think that um you know men want to they want to fit in they want to be accepted they want to be in society but it's really hard to know how to do that now mm-hmm. <clears throat> um so it's just, and that is is detrimental to the society because that's half the population. You know, right. we all need to be kind of in a better place for everything to get better. Yeah, yeah. So, what does healthy masculinity look like to you? This could be a fi- five hour discussion, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what are your uh, what's your vision for that? Well. I mean, I think vulnerability for sure is part of it. I think mm-hmm. just being honest and real with yourself, even if it's uncomfortable and even if that reality is um, something that is what, you know, that somebody might consider to something to be ashamed of or, um, you know, I think that in order to not be ostracized by society, men often feel like they have to hide parts of themselves. And I think that, you know, that's the saying, right? Vulnerability is strength. I think that's actually quite accurate because when you can accept yourself and embrace yourself, whatever that is, um, then you're a lot stronger for it. Um, and, you know, I think that like men shouldn't be afraid to explore their softer qualities, but also their like, masculine like really masculine qualities you know like martial arts and like hunting and you know some of these like primal things that especially i think with gay men sometimes feels or queer you know queer people it feels like those things are almost like like we've spent so long trying to be accepted for some of like the more like softer qualities that gay men exhibit that we almost don't feel comfortable embracing like you know more traditional masculine elements yeah cool agree thanks everyone for listening to this episode featuring cassidy 
part of the Bisexual Married Men series. The book is available now everywhere. Thanks everyone who already picked up a copy. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you enjoy Cassidy's chapter, aka Bennett. You can find the book wherever you shop for books. You can also head to my website, robertbrookscohen.com, and read more about the book and find some links to purchase as well as upcoming events. And there's more of this episode with Cassidy. There's a little bit more than 10 extra minutes with him. We talked about some things that he's still struggling with related to sexuality and dating especially. I also asked him what about his sexuality brings him joy. And it was a little difficult for him to answer. He wasn't quite sure and he hadn't thought about it that way but reflecting on it produced some interesting results, so I'd encourage you to check it out. You can also see full video of Cassidy and I chatting with each other over at Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash robertbrookscohen. There's a link in the show notes. It's only $5 a month, and you can see video from this entire series as well as bonus content. So thanks everyone who's already supporting me there on Patreon. And now here is the very tail end of my conversation with Cassidy. Well, thank you again for participating three years ago, and thank you for staying in touch and being with us again today. Um, your your openness and vulnerability is is like beautiful and such a strength that I see, and like I know that a lot of people are going to identify with your story in the book. Oh, well, thank and you. I'm, I'm really, really glad happy. it's in there. Thanks. I'm happy to be yeah. involved. Yeah. Cool. And thanks for being here today. This was great. Absolutely. Two Bye Guys is produced and edited by me, Robert Brooks Cohen, and it was created by me and Alex Boyd. Our logo art is by Caitlin Weinman. Our music is by Ross Mincer. We are supported by the Gotham, and we are part of the Zencaster Creator Network. Visit patreon.com slash Cohen for bonus content, early access, and exclusive video episodes. Thanks for listening to Two Bye Guys. <laughs>